How we doing, fitties? It's my boy Whitmore here with the amazing Keris Mars. Then it's Fitter Food Radio, episode ninety-five, and we got Doctor Tommy Wood back in the building. What's up, Tommy? Hello. Uh, not much. I'm glad to be back. It's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. It's actually yeah, been. I saw on um, Skype six months. Cause it tells you on Skype now. It's been how long? Oh, wow. So. Unless well, you two had a little conversation without me. We didn't. <laughs> no. We didn't. <laughs> Not that I know of. Actually, we owe you an apology, Tommy, because you did send your horny tea over. And, oh, yeah. Uh, we still haven't Hor- had, horny tea. We still haven't had a chance to try it. because We you haven't tried it yet. I know, but we, we were waiting to get the slow cooker out and have bone broth. But we uh, have yeah. tried your fat fibre, but uh-huh. it was by accident because it looks really similar to my bag of coconut flour, pink. Oh yeah, it, does. it has a very similar texture. You're right. We've got the same package <laughs> as, as Pink Sun, and I only realised this the other day that I would, I'd made someone a banana bread as a gift, and there was a good cup full of fat fibre in that banana bread. What will, How was it? What will the effect have been? I haven't asked him. I, de- I dare ask. I only realised the other day when I saw it was open. I was like, oh, what would that? Oh, no, it, I mean, I, I think it should be fine. I mean, it might affect it will affect the texture slightly, but it's fat and fibre, as the name suggests, which is which is very similar to very similar to coconut flour. So it'll probably be fairly similar. And because it because it's like in the powdered form, it doesn't have any of the like the GI. We've never seen any sort of like serious GI effects from all that MCT. Oh, in the right. fat fiber, so I'm sure I'll be fine. Because I looked at the serving size, and I was like, crikey, I gave them a whole cup full. Like, that could have been... They are probably absolutely buzzing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 great. Yeah. Best banana bread ever. But there you go. Yeah. Actually, I might try it in the banana bread, and then we'll eat it and see, and that could be a recipe for your website. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, then we can. I, I like how you... You couldn't have been that concerned, because... I, I, I remember you giving them to that person, and saying, oh, you've got an added hit of whatever in here as well. When? No, that was honestly I didn't know I did it. So whatever I was talking about then was something else. What? Yeah, honestly, I only realised. put something else in the banana bread. Yeah, that was something else I was up to. Oh, but God. I only <laughs> realised this week. I was like, oh, I should mix up now. the fat fibre and the coconut flour. But I might try bake it. Would it be if you baked with it? Would it affect it in any way? It heated it. Um, no, I don't think so. It's all been it's all been heated at some point already so, in the uh, manufacturing process. That's probably so fine. Definitely got to try a biscuit of some sort with fat fibre then next. I'll leave that to you. Oh, we can hear your dogs. You can hear the dogs. <laughs> Tommy's got a yeah. puppy. And now Kerry's yeah, got a puppy. <laughs> um, so, since we spoke to you last, um, you've obviously, you've got another dog. We know this. Yeah. Uh-huh. What else has been going on in Tommy's world? Uh, yeah, so uh, we bought a house um, and got a puppy. And That's I built my it? home gym. And the first person I sent a picture to was Matt, so I oh, think yeah. Matt would probably, uh, would probably appreciate that. I remember that now. Um, and yeah, that's about it. So, like, jobs otherwise have stayed the same. I will leave academia formally at the end of March um, to do the health stuff full-time. Um, but yeah, that's about it. I think that's a quick summary. So, basically, you've, like, proper grown up in the last six months. You've, like... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Marriage, like a, like real... a house, another dog... Yeah, real do, you guys, do you guys train together uh, in the gym, or do you not? Is that a no-no? Say that again. Do you train together in your in the home gym, or is that a no-no? Oh no, we do. We do sometimes. Um, Elizabeth's been really busy recently with teaching. She's um, uh, at, at the at the university, so she's a professor of chemical engineering. Um, they have a certain number of core courses, and nobody has ever taught two core courses at the same time because that's basically an hour of lecturing every day plus you know all the marking and homeworks and stuff but she's been doing two of those wow. so it's like which is basically more than a full-time job plus running her lab and stuff like that so we haven't had much overlap time at the gym but we have we have worked out together it's quite nice i got i got the rowing machine because she wanted it so because I, I i vowed to never never spend much time on a rowing machine ever, ever again after having spent weeks of my life on a rowing machine as an undergrad and at med school so so do you have your own like CrossFit workouts then? Do you do a workout of the day and then like put it all up and then? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so I did want to get a whiteboard so I could like write stuff up. I, I still will do that, but no, I've actually been recently. I've been following a training program by a guy called Matt Davidson. It was recommended to me by a, a functional medicine doctor called Ben House, who Doctor House, who um, lives in. He actually lives in Costa Rica. But I, I heard him on another podcast, and then I interviewed him for the Nice Man's Thrive podcast, and he's just like, you'd like him, Matt. He's like a, he likes to lift, 
Um, and so he, he, he recommended this, this, uh, this program called Mass 2, which he helped write some of the nutrition part for. And it's just been, that's been a lot of fun. It's sort of like a combination of a bit of circuit training, a bit of like strength work, a bit of like bodybuilding type work. It's a nice mix. So I've been doing that. Man, so do you find you got a bit more consistency about your training now? Because I know when yeah, you exactly. was in Norway, was it? It was Norway. Yeah, it was you were in Norway, yeah. and you were obviously getting about one hour sleep a day and <laughs> working like a crazy yeah. man. So like exercise kind of went out the window. So he's back back on track. Yeah, exactly. It's just and it's just nice, to, you know. Yeah, exactly. Consistency, actually, be able to like progress through a program, sort of like see see some benefit rather than just because before i mean for two or three years it's just been a case of trying to keep what you've got whereas yeah. now it's actually like trying to put some work in and make some progress again which is nice so, oh, yeah. mate, well it's good to hear from you mate it's good to catch Thanks. up <laughs> <laughs> so should we get into the nitty-gritty yeah so we often yep. like to put tommy on the spot you know he's always like oh you know send me some questions and this that and the other we're like no we're not going to do that we're just going to surprise you <laughs> on the day um so what we thought we would talk about today basically because basically because there's a bit of a, a buzz if you will i suppose about these these topic topics at the minute yeah um and i mean you know this isn't news to anyone who's been listening to us for a while but um these things do seem to be at the forefront of social media posts and, and whatever else at the minute. And that's um, vegan diets, ketogenic diets, and also fasting and forms of fa- different forms of fasting of kind of like a, a hot topic at the minute. So we figured we would get Dr. Tommy's, Dr. Tommy Woods. Dr. Tommy just doesn't, I quite like that actually, Dr. Tommy. So when I worked, when I was working in London, like on the wards, uh, some people, are like some people, didn't like, didn't think that like a grown man, met doctor, should be called Tommy, so they called me Tom. But hey. Tom, <laughs> <laughs> it does make you sound like thirty years older immediately. Yeah, exactly. Tom. I think yeah. like Tommy yeah. keeps me young at heart. You think like old oh, Doctor Doctor Tom will see you now, and you kind of envision this guy side part in grey hair spectacles <laughs> yeah it's like it's like mr tom um so yeah we thought we would get your i guess your your opinion you know your yeah. experience with with such things yeah I think um, one thing i'm keen to kind of um what, what we mentioned to you just before we came on the podcast tommy was we get a lot of emails about all these three um, kind of, I don't, I want to, don't want to call them diets, but approaches to nutrition is probably a bit more accurate, or interventions. And often the person is asking about them for the wrong reason. So they're asking okay. about them because somebody has said, this is the best way to lose weight, or this is how you should eat, because it's how I yeah. eat. And yeah. there are kind of so many different caveats and so many different ways that I think all of this needs to be a bit personalised and people should kind of take a step back. But they, I think they need some reassurance so we thought it'd be great to talk through each one maybe start off with vegan diets and uh, just get your perspective on it and maybe any science that you know of covering it as a kind of intervention for whether it be chronic disease or something else Um, because I know that's also something people quite curious about and want to know if there have been any long-term studies and trials on on these interventions okay so yeah vegan diets of it becoming popular again yeah um Due to um, due to a film which I will not name because that might mean that somebody will watch it. Yeah. Which that's, you that's, very, that's exactly what I've had emails about. <laughs> you're obviously very, you're obviously very welcome to watch it if you want, and yeah. but it's pretty sort of thinly veiled propaganda uh, from people who have a very serious um, to eating meat, and then it's that's turned into dietary science, which isn't particularly ethical right and this 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 conversation becomes very tricky because what our answer and their answer or or why they do what they do is actually very similar you know large-scale factory farming of meat is a pretty miserable process um it's you know depending on where you are in in or in in terms of the levels and the stages of it it can be you know, pretty distressing to see what goes on in in that kind of style of farming. Um, And, you know, so then our response would be, well, then we need to create a demand for better, better quality meat, better quality animals who have been cared for. And their response is just, well, we just don't eat meat. We get rid of um, agriculture. And, you know, who's right? I couldn't tell you. I think that we're 
more likely to be right because then if you have animals as part of the agricultural system, then it makes it much more sustainable. Um, but, you know, so if we're moving beyond the ethical arguments um, or the environmental arguments, which are also very much cherry-picked in terms of how animal agriculture, particularly beef agriculture, affects the environment. You know, they talk about just about emissions, but they don't talk about carbon sequestration. They don't talk about how we're mining minerals so that we can um, create fertilizers for monocropped um, plants that are then supposed to be much better for the environment when they're not. Um, but that's, you know, if, if you're not going to eat meat, then you have to eat monocrop plants. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, you'll eventually run out of phosphorus and some other things that you need for those fertilizers to make those grow. So, you know, the, the arguments are much more complex than, than, they're, than they're set out by people trying to make one specific point. However, if we move beyond, if we move beyond that, and we're talking purely about health, um, then always say that, you know, if, if you're going plant-based it should be a whole foods plant-based diet vegan chocolate and chips mm-hmm. is never going to be like it's not good for the environment it's not good for you but plenty of people are like well i do veganism for ethical reasons and therefore i just eat chips all day like come on mm-hmm. but you know I, I assume that the audience are going to be on board with that so then we're talking um plant-based whole food diet and this is kind of uh, michael grieger dean ornish you know those kinds of guys and you know they work with you know they work with patients and they see benefit and I they the way that they cher- again cherry pick the science the best evidence to support their their way of thinking you know I think everybody is a little bit guilty of doing that sometimes um, but they're particularly bad at it. However, I truly believe that they see benefit in their patients. I, I don't feel like they would just be foisting this on people and then everybody's coming back sick and unhappy and they're just like telling them to work harder, you know, and is some data on it. So they've done some some studies in patients with cardiovascular disease and saw some improvements in perfusion of the heart. There was the recent, recently the broad study came out, um, which is to date the best three-month and then maintained out to 12 month weight loss in of any intervention. It was a whole food plant-based diet. Um, and um, yes, you know, so then again, there are other great options that have a very similar amount of weight loss or more weight loss. It just depends on how the trial is done. Like, so like obviously a, a low carb or and higher protein diet is probably the other good option. But, you know, for where they just interviewed for three months and then they checked them, you know, nine months later, so a whole 12 months out, all of the people, you know, they maintained their weight loss for nine months after the end of the trial. Like, that's almost unheard of in a dietary yeah. trial. So yeah. I think that's impressive, right? We have, we yeah, have yeah. to sort of give kudos to that. Yeah, of course. They did supplement with methylcobalamin, so that was something that they made sure they gave people. So B12 is obviously going to be um, an issue. There are some other things like, you know, maybe zinc, um, some, some things that are important that, Maybe some people would say are essential, some people wouldn't, like choline, carnitine, some of that stuff, I think can be really beneficial for, for certain groups. So you can always supplement that if you want to. Um, so the benefits, you know, can be great. And, and I think they're particularly great in the short term. And, and that's certainly what we see. And there are certain um, patterns or certain people where I will recommend that kind of diet, a, a low-fat largely plant-based with maybe a few kind of targeted animal products like some liver or some small fish or some egg yolks or something like that just to kind of get some nutrients but overall it's a very low fat diet because um they you know their gut is just a soup of endotoxin essentially and Mm -hmm. any of that fat is just making them feel foggy and crap so in the short term those diets work really well for that for that kind of person and you know may work you know for the broader population as well the, the problem is that you feel good in the short term see it very frequently and then you start to feel you start to feel shit as um nutrient deficiencies accumulate or you're under eating or you know those are probably the, the two largest ones maybe you're not getting enough protein which is possible if you're particularly if you're an active person um and then what they do is they're like, well, I felt really good before, so I must have strayed from the diet. So they just double down on it, right? Yeah. So they're just like, I'm going to restrict more. I'm going to make sure I only eat beans and kale, mm-hmm. you know, and then I'll then I'll feel good again. And so that's so that's the risk with that diet. And so whenever I talk to them, so people come to me fairly frequently, they're like, I want to go a vegan, plant based for ethical reasons or for health reasons. You know, I am supportive of that. I've say the potential risks, the things you want to monitor in terms of blood tests or something like that, and then, you know, have at it. But 
as soon as you start to feel shit, don't double down on it. You know, really honestly appraise what's going on. So I think that's that's kind of the main thing that you need to you need to sort of be aware of in that particular scenario. And it happens in every diet, right? So yeah. we'll yeah. say the same thing about a ketogenic diet, you know, great results in the, in the short term. You know, some people find it sustainable for a very long period of time and they do great and everything looks great and perfect, very happy. But when, if things start to, you know, they don't feel as good or things, you know, the wheels fall off the wagon, what they do is they double down and they restrict more and, and you know that just that just never seems to work so that's kind of my main with any particular approach with any particular intervention if you feel good initially great but when you start to feel shit that doesn't mean that the you're doing the diet wrong it might just be that the diet is not right for you at that moment in time mm. one thing um, i was gonna they, they were amazing points but there's also quite an aggressive nature about the people that that talk about it which doesn't seem to fit with what the you know as in, they're, they're supposed to, uh, well uh, you know if you go vegan because of the reasons you know care about animals and the environment and but they're, they're kind of sometimes the way their message is delivered so i've been doing lots of talks and lecturing recently on micronutrients and whenever i mention yeah. zinc for example is one where i feel and everyone shouts out you know i say what's one of the best sources of zinc and everyone says pumpkin seeds and i'm like no like seriously we need to talk about like fish meat like think of all the different people that need zinc you know even the elderly they're not going to be yamming on you know pumpkin seeds and yeah. you know and people get i've had people get actually angry I've come, I've come back to Matt so people got angry with me today for mentioning bone broth and choline and eggs and like yeah. you know a real kind of like that there's a bias in, in in what I present and and of course if you look at our books you're probably going to agree with that but actually all I've done is is kind of go back and look at micronutrients for you know function in the body and these are the micronutrients and these are the best sources and that's in yeah. you know that's in nutrition data you can go and check it all but they yeah. get so kind of but, you know, just very angry, and then get arguments about lead in bone broth and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, but there's arsenic in rice. You know, we can go back and forth on this yeah, forever. Yeah. <laughs> so I think from one of my, you know, it's, it's there's no kind of here's here's the information, make your decision, which is what I'd like to see a little bit more of. Like, give some, like you just said, then so show people how to do it effectively and monitor their nutrition status and whether it's working for them. Yeah, I mean, because I, I I I agree with. I want Matt to go vegan for a week, actually, and just see what happens. Yeah, but for a week, nothing <laughs> would happen, would it? I'd I just probably... would like to see you manoeuvre without bacon and sausages for a week. It's doable. <laughs> it's doable. I, I'm, I'm sure it'd be great, so I don't need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Doc- document it on, on Instagram. I'd love to see that. I mean, to be fair, like, you know, like, if ever I've had, you know from time to time like a like a vegetable curry or, or something like that <laughs> just, just just occasionally just once just yeah once a quarter yeah, yeah. Um, no but like i suppose my point is is that i know that a vegan diet could be very tasty and i would enjoy it for sure but um i think i think the crucial thing with any kind of diet and tommy mentioned it earlier is it's not necessarily that a diet is bad it's just probably you know there's a chance it may not be right for you you know for for the type of person you are the demands you place on your body day to day yeah and i think that's when people fall short because they're not willing to first of all like try to adapt something be it vegan keto whatever to work better for them because they're almost so rigid with their approach and the kind of like you know what's correct and what isn't that they they fail to adapt and they fail to i suppose you know actually experience the benefits that a, a, a diet potentially can offer um, and I, I remember years ago we met a guy on a kettlebell course who was a who, who become vegan he became vegan because his girlfriend was vegan and he openly said that he didn't really want to be a vegan but you know i don't know if he was under the farm it, it was a clause or, of the relationship <laughs> or, or what it could but, be um, a clause it I might be a clause yeah. i don't know but but you know he was like you know i'm, I'm just going to kind of give it a bash but um he basically said how crappy feels how his strength's gone down his energy's gone down his motivation to train has gone down and it's like wow so this vegan diet's really doing it for you buddy Didn't, you know he what go i mean in the end? did he go pescatarian was that a... i think so yeah, yeah eventually i think he got so fed up with it he was just like i can't i can't feel like this he negotiated and... a sardine yeah. <laughs> but but again Small, you know like but, but that was someone that for a while he kind of he to be fair give him credit like he tried to adapt things done a bit of research to 
um, to try and get like a wider variety of nutrients, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but it just weren't it weren't happening, and he was a bit like, you know, this doesn't work for me. I need to make a change. And we were chatting the other day about this, weren't we? About like how I think there's a big difference as well between you know, let's say that you you're a vegan, but you do very little exercise. Maybe your exercise is a bit more holistic in the way of maybe like a form of yoga, lots of walking, not exactly no disrespect to yogis, like, because I know yoga is really bloody hard work. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's not as taxing as, you know, a hardcore weight training session or yeah, circuits yeah. or hit or whatever it may be. So it doesn't place the same kind of demands on the body. So therefore maybe the need for protein, animal products, etc., isn't quite as high. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think yeah. it, I do think it, I, I'm not even sure that you can break it down like that because I've, because I've just, I've seen, I've seen, so if we're using vegan diet as an example, I've seen it work both well and poorly yeah. in pretty much every sport. So, you know, there are some very, well-known, um, so like British sporting personalities who are vegan right now. David Hay, is he still vegan? I think he yeah, is. He is yeah. um, Lewis, yeah. Lewis Hamilton went went vegan recently. Oh, did he? Um, yeah, and, and you know, and they're they're supposed, you know, they supposedly feel really good on it. You know, great. So the, um, then the other side of that is uh, I was working with an Ironman triathlete just the other day, other day who went vegan. Um, plant-based uh for ethical reasons and felt like shit and his like tests we did were just a complete disaster right and then he mm. started to reintroduce animal foods and he felt great again so like i couldn't couldn't even break it down by by sport it's just it's just it has to be a personal thing and you have to be willing to say i feel good mm. or i don't feel good and if i don't feel good then you have to be have to be willing to to make things to make a change again or if you believe that the health if you believe that going plant-based is better for the environment and that your health isn't worth it compared to the impact you have on the environment that's fine but that's also mm. your choice right so you know wherever wherever you want to take it is it's fine the, the, i mean I, I definitely agree with the strength of the message you were talking about keris but i would i would say every dietary camp does that you know i'd spend a lot of time hanging out with low-carb people and they're exactly the same and they all yeah. stand around talking about carb eaters and how you know they're all getting diabetes because they <laughs> ate a banana and you know like so it's, exa- it's exactly the same it's exactly the same thing right so everybody picks their side and they decide to just like throw stuff at the other side so yeah it, it's strong in the plant-based community but it's also strong in, in, in the meat-based communities, communities yeah. if you yeah. want to call them that so Oop. so I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't point a finger at a specific group Oh no, I 100% agree with that. No, I, mean, I just say so, no, it's just me. I just get the flack usually at the presentation. <laughs> I'm just like, mm. here we go. And I can always see faces, but you're right. It's because with the presentation I'm doing, I'm not talking about macronutrients generally. And when I do talk about fat loss, I always go straight in more with things like sleep and unprocessed yeah, foods, um, like get off the processed food, so that everyone just starts nodding and, and that's it. You know, yeah. we all agree everybody, on that. everybody does agree on that, right? Yeah, just yeah. stop eating shit food. If you're starting with better food, regardless of whether that came from a plant or animal, you're going to be onto a winner, at least, you know, to begin with. So. I have a quick question about the uh, B- B12. What? Let me just okay. ask this question. Cool, no, still, 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 I just wanted to make sure it was still... I'm still vegan. So then what I was going to say, you know, is still in line. All right. Uh, B12. How long do we store it? Because I have seen three months, what? five years, and seven years. How uh, long? That's a good question. Is it, is it um, individual? Is it... I suppose it is as uh, personal. I actually, I, actually don't have a, I actually don't have a good answer to that question. Um, it's, on the, it's on the order of months. Right, um, is it? So, wow. yeah. So I've seen... So, in, in, I mean, yeah, so I, I guess it, would, it months, also depend so. on... Yeah. It also depends on the form of B12, how, long you've, how much you've got in your body, how much you need, you know... Uh, so if, if you went vegan, check your B12 in like three to six months, you know, but that's, that's kind of the order that I would be thinking about it. And there are loads. Of, I was going to say, are you go, would you say go active B12 and red blood cell size or something like that? Not, not yeah, so, B12. yeah. So uh, MCV is, MCV is a nice kind of rough marker in the UK. You have holy transcobalamin, which is the active B12 yeah. in the U S you can't get that, which really? is really weird. So, so the, so when you do a, so there are, there are two things that kind of interfere with 
a B12 test. One is cyanocobalamin, which is the plant-based B12. They're like, oh, this maca root is full of B12. It's full of cyanocobalamin. Your body cannot use that. It's yeah. a complete fucking waste of time. Uh, but you can save loads of B12 in this maca root. Um, so that can, if it's not, if you're doing the holotranscobalamin, which is what you can get active B12 in the UK, you don't have to worry about this. In yeah. the US, if you're taking those plant-based B12s, they can interfere with the test because it's just a total B12 test. The other thing is if you have some kind of weird bacterial overgrowth, the bacteria can produce, produce something called coronoids, which look like B12, and they also go high on a test. So we often see people with gut dysbiosis, elevated methylmalonic acid, which is like at the cellular level, do you have B12 use, usable in your mitochondria? If you don't, your methylmalonic acid goes up. So that suggests you need B12. They have high B12 on a blood test, but high methylmalonic acid. Um, and that's usually because there's a bacterial coronoid that's flowing around in their blood that's interfering with the test. So, mm. fun times. Nice. Wow. So this actually... Well, some... well, I was going to say, that's my... The bacterial coronoid is my uh, assumption. There's no, like, great... Um, there's no great studies on that, but it just seems to correlate really tightly. And the people who I've spoken to about it seem to think that that makes sense. So. I've actually had one client who had a private doctor who did MMA, MCV, and I think they might have done... I don't think they did active B12 as well, so I thought it was very good. Um, yeah. But it was private here. But they are... So we, so we even did... We even did um, if somebody was had low holotranscobalamin, they got, automatically got methylmonic acid. This was in at St. Thomas's in London, like really? on the NHS. So... So, I mean, and, and this was, what, like five years ago now? So it's not like this super niche thing. Like, people people are looking at it. Yeah. Wow. Do you know what, Another sad thing, this is just a little bit off the point, but we'll come back to vegans in a minute. Say. So my, <laughs> <laughs> my uncle works, uh, he used to be in intensive care, and now he's out in the community trying to stop um, basically people ending up in intensive care and goes around the elderly. And okay, was, he worked uh, in intensive care. He wasn't a patient in intensive care. No, 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 he worked in intensive care. Yeah. Okay. So now he's out in the community trying to stop vulnerable people ending up in hospital. And um, yeah. he used to go in and do blood tests on everybody, which I was like, that sounds amazing, like thinking ahead. And they've just pulled the plug on it, and he was saying he's not allowed to do any blood testing. He used to go in and check CRP and blood count and everything, and they've just been yeah. told, it's too expensive, stop doing that. So... It's just oh, such a shame because actually, problem isn't it? We've been talking about them on, on some podcasts saying how valuable they are for predicting, you know, everything from yeah. deficiencies to inflammation to whatever else. But yeah, so you could do a hundred quid blood test now, but that's too expensive. Oh, but if this person needs a two thousand yeah. two thousand pound a day intensive care bed, exactly what we said. And then we were just saying, I was actually speaking to him and said, I think the public should know about how much it is just to have that test, and I think some people would pay it as well. Uh, yeah. as in go to yeah, the doctor, yeah. have your complete blood count have your thyroid all that kind of stuff done and, and inflammation markers and say it's 100 or 150 I know people that would pay it rather than battle with the doctor for kind yeah. of a few tests type things but there we go we can do yeah it I, know, I know lots of people like that, like that too and so we're actually uh, speaking of which we built this really, we're building it will be out some point soon uh, a tool to predict a lot of this stuff so you know we've been doing like some machine learning uh, based analyses and now we've basically got 10,000 patients worth of data oh, wow. and so if you if you can send us a full blood count basic lipids iron studies and just like basic you know liver function kidney function um over here they call it a comprehensive metabolic panel just that which in the u.s you can get for less than 50 dollars mm. we can then predict uh, b12 deficiency copper deficiency zinc deficiency loads of toxic exposures like oh, wow. you know bpa and phthalates and low testosterone all this kind of stuff based on like basically almost no money's worth of testing so you can you can even um you can get those same tests in the UK for like hundred quid or something. So can you do we're that? working on we're working on making that stuff more accessible to people because it's super important. So the test wow. would be you could do the blood draw here, but then you would just get the sample, or how would that work? Yeah, no, you just send us you just send us the results and we'll oh, feed okay. it into the algorithm. Oh, okay. Oh, and you put the so okay. it'll, it'll, it'll be like a pay to play thing, right? So we're turning your hundred pound blood test into a mm -hmm. uh, seven hundred pound blood test, and you pay us a few dollars. I can't remember what it's going to be, but it's going to be a very small fraction of what the total, what the yeah. difference is, if you see what I mean. We should send ours anonymously and you have to guess who's is whose. <laughs> <laughs> which is which. Can you imagine? I'll, I'll be able to tell it's Matt's by the blood sausage level. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be large traces of pork in, in this sample. <laughs> curly tail in that bit. Actual, actual chunks of pork. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of pork, going back to uh, don't say vegan and the, pork in the same sentence. The vegan thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, just because it's a polar opposite. 
because um, I did want to get this point across go before we go too far off. Yeah, go on. So you mentioned David Hay and you mentioned Lewis yeah. Hamilton. And yeah. we've also spoken about how, you know, our body has the ability to store nutrients. Yeah. So what I would be interested to know is how long ago did David Hay and Lewis Hamilton become vegan? Yeah. You know, because they might feel good right now. But it could still yeah. be quite early days. But also, do they, do they supplement? That's a really... No, we don't know any of this exactly, information. So I'd exactly. imagine they're definitely on B12, given the amount of training they do. And, well, Lewis Hamilton sits in a car, doesn't he? That's not really training. But. Oh. <laughs> so, so I, maybe I didn't mention it. So I now act on the scientific advisory board of Hinter Performance, which basically coaches all the Formula 1 drivers. So oh. I like to help with oh, like, their nutrition and lifestyle stuff. I'm going to so, get it now. I'm, I'm told, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly sure that it's quite taxing on the body, but yeah. in a different way from most other sports. In the right? brain. It's all to do with, like, isn't it to do with all, like, the, like the, the, the G-force and the torque and whatever, or something yeah. like that? Yeah, and, like, like, and like the shifts of, shifts of blood through yeah. the body, so, like, you know, based on the G-forces and stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not the same in terms of, like, cardiovascular performance. It's not the same as a... As a a triathlete and in terms of strength it's not the same as a power left or right but it has like a an interesting mix of performance requirements the adrenaline actually i, I remember I was gonna say, like you when you, you did your boxing match thinking the adrenaline alone would have just been just so demanding on the body in terms of you know all the actually, well, while we're talking about this just quickly matt do you know what your apoe status is i mm. think he's a because <laughs> if, if you have an apoe4 i beg you not to box again beg you why like, oh, really because the, the risk of cte chronic traumatic encephalopathy you know that thing that's like they're talking about an nfl nfl uh players like american football players you've, been, you've read any of that stuff that's come out recently in terms of wow. but basically apo 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 um e4 dramatically increases the risk of, of cte and and risks of injury after brain trauma wow. um so get that tested and if it's e4 don't do it you know, so take, up, take, up knit, take up knitting take up knitting please my mum taught me how to knit yeah she did yeah Kerry's the oh, what, what do you think? What do you? Can, are you any good at guessing types? Because everyone thought I'd be. Everyone thought I was a two. I'm a three four, but then I could probably tell you that from looking at my cholesterol levels as well. <laughs> but what do you think yeah, might be? You, I, so, no, I'm, I'm. I'm not good at guessing types. But you're right. You know, higher cholesterol. You know, cholesterol increases on. You know, with saturated fat. You know, that's fairly typical of a of a of an E four. But it's not like the rule. Yeah. So, mm. oh, best to get that checked then because. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna. I do. I am plotting a comeback. Listen to this, Tommy. He's entered the London Marathon and he's got. A, he's been asked to do a boxing match. So at the start of the month, he'd run the London Marathon. At the end of the month, he would do a boxing match. Well, no, it might be the other way around because the London oh, well, Marathon that, that's is so the, much better. Is the twenty third? <laughs> no, no, no. But it's not. If anything, I would prefer to do it the other way around. So I do get the marathon out of the way first, and then do the fight rather than the fight, yeah. and you know, and then and the, the marathon. marathon. Because yeah. the thing is, you know, the the conditioning and what's the, up? How we fought like endurance. with marathon running? <laughs> is there anything? To... <laughs> I don't think there's anything on that. That's fine. I mean, I... anything so, on tendonitis? As, 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 as long as someone doesn't try and hit me in the head whilst I'm running past them. Well, you could trip and fall. <laughs> God, um, um, sorry, I, I derailed the conversation. You were talking about like how long since they started. So I, I think like for Lewis Hamilton is fairly frequent. It, it was fairly well publicised in the. Um, like the, the the media, Tim Noakes came out almost immediately and said, "Oh yeah, when you're driving at 200 miles an hour, what you really need is a diet that doesn't allow your brain to function optimally." Ah, That's quite funny. Oh, um, but uh, but for David Hay, I think it's been a few years. Um, so maybe that he's, he's we, hardly, could, we could he's if, hardly if been we on a winning our, streak. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so if we were going to put our paleo meat eating hats on, we could say, well, maybe if he'd eaten more meat, he wouldn't have ruptured his Achilles, Achilles tendon when yeah. he was fighting. Oh, no. uh, better, but you know. But I mean, like, you know, another he... question actually, just back to the brain stuff. Can can I just let me just quickly make this point, Go and then, then I can get it off my chest. Go on. <laughs> are, we still, have, are we still on David? Are, Hay? We haven't got to come back to it. Right. Go on. <laughs> so the other point I was going to make, based on that, is is like you look at David Hay now. You know, yeah. he's in very good shape. He's got a great physique. You know, and you know, despite you know losing, you know, his last fight or so. You know, he's, he's got a, a decent boxing record. You know, he is a professional athlete at the end of the day. Um, so people start making these associations. Oh, well, David Hayes vegan. So, poor, you know, everything's, 
hunky dory, everyone should be vegan. Or um, a friend of ours who, um, quite a big guy, very strong, lean, very impressive physique. He's turned vegan as well. Oh, but, but it's like, but you didn't achieve that physique through being a vegan. David Hay didn't achieve his physique or his ability level through being a vegan. But they become the poster boy. But, but they mm. are now. And that's great. You know, yeah, if that's yeah. their choice and they feel good, fantastic. I'm all for it. But I think sometimes, and this is more so other people than more than anything, kind of, they just put two and two together. Oh, professional athlete looks fantastic. Vegan. That's the way forward. And the same way that um, I had a bit of a debate on Facebook. I've been getting right into Facebook debates lately. I used to stand back from them, but now I'm a bit like, no, I will. I, my voice needs to be heard here because I feel like you're not being honest with people. And it was a guy who I followed after hearing him on a podcast. Um, and I, you know, out of interest, I'm like, oh, who's this guy? And I check him on social media and I see what's going on. And this guy, some American guy, fantastic physique. Really, really amazing physique. Lean, good bit of muscle, you know, clearly works out. Um, recently, however, he's moved over to a keto diet. So now yeah. all of his posts, keto, keto, keto's, you know, the best. Keto, look at my physique. You know, how can you tell me keto doesn't work? And I'm like, yeah, but up until a few months ago, you weren't keto. So yeah. you looked like that before. Yeah, yeah. So why are you trying to kid people that ketogenic diet got you to where you are because I just have to go back on your Facebook history to bring up a load of stuff and say, well, hang, hang about that big bowl of pasta that you had three months ago or, or whatever, you know. But And I just think there's a, sometimes a lack of... But the fitness industry are naughty for that because some, a lot of people have said this before about how they'll tout things like even cheat days and if it fits your macros and stuff, and it's fine because they are insulin-sensitive, training, active individuals, muscle mass, you know, a different story. Yeah. Like, they're always a little bit guilty of saying, you know, I can have my ice cream and eat it, and we do, but we put it up more to show that we do have, like, we have a bit of balance. Um, but, we're not saying, but we we actually say we don't eat this all the time because we wouldn't look like this if we did, and that's one of the reasons we say it. We don't say that this is in any way fueling <laughs> like a six pack in us or you know spiking our insulin levels, blah blah blah, anabolic, do we? So no, but, yeah. but, I mean, and that was my point really. I just feel like you know there there's sometimes a lack of honesty, a lack of transparency with you know, like I say, anyone's entitled to change their mind or change their approach to nutrition training whatever yeah but i just think you know it just i don't know it just bugs me a little bit when i was about to say it really grinds my gears but that's quite an american thing isn't it? i heard that on a podcast the other day and someone just kept saying that really grinds my gears that's a bit weird i don't, don't say that isn't that from family isn't that from family guy oh is oh, it, is it? <laughs> yeah. i'm not sure where it's going from you <laughs> yeah well no of course it doesn't because i've done it in a very well, bad I, american accent i, I think that's a real do you know what? i think that's a really great point you know, like the, whatever you've built in terms of a physique or muscle or fitness, you know, there's a whole history behind that, right? So then, if you then make a quick switch, that doesn't necessarily just because you don't lose it instantly isn't the same as this helped me build it. Mm. Um, and and I don't think people, enough people make that point. So I, like, I think that's I think that's really a really good point. And there was an, another example um, which kind of crops up when people are arguing about whether a vegan diet is good for performance and which is Carl Lewis. So, you know, obviously world champion, Olympic champion sprinter. I think he went vegan in like 1990 um, and then was still performing well in 1991. And he's like, yeah, great. You know, vegan is making me a faster sprinter. And then, you know, so he felt great for a year. Then after that, like his performance has really dropped off and he kind of like fell off the sprinting map. Um, and so there may be lots of other reasons behind that. Right. But, you know, so just because he was good on vegan for a year and then things started to tail off, we don't know if it was the vegan diet or whatever, but it's exactly to that point that he was still good for that year because he'd done however much training and whatever eating he'd done before. You know, he was still an exceptional sprinter at that point, but at some point it starts to catch up with you. Um, that doesn't mean that a vegan diet is bad for sprinting, but it just means that in that particular scenario, you couldn't really attribute his performances to, to being vegan. Yeah. I've got, um, so just on that point really is also going back to the brain power thing thinking of long chain fatty acids so omega-3s and I read um I mean kind of first looking at the studies and all the information it was the basic print of uh, thinking of it was we couldn't convert vegetarian sources so the chia seed the flax seed into long chain fatty acids it wasn't a, an efficient conversion was it like one percent or something so we're better to have omega-3s and then you think of athletes and they're kind of almost like a raised need because of the 
pro-inflammatory nature of what they do and, and joint health and all that kind of thing. And even just uh, like we were just talking before about brain health and, and kind of cognitive function. And so, but, but I'd read something recently saying that if your ancestry was traditionally vegetarian, you had a better ability at converting vegetarian sources of omega-3 into long-chain fats. Is that correct? Is that something you have come across? Uh, yeah, that's certainly a possibility. And, and that, that capability definitely changes um, uh, from person to person. So you can test that, like 23andMe, um, your elongase um, uh, enzymes, so like your your FAD enzymes, you can you can test those FAD one and two, uh, which sort of is the interconversion of um, different omega fats. Um, so you can definitely check that. You know, you can check obviously your blood levels uh, in terms of omega three to omega six ratio, and we do that very frequently. It's it's easily accessible over here in um, in the US. Um, so you know that's really going to depend from person to person. So some people you know, will converse just fine and they'll, they'll be fine. And there were also studies where they looked at, <clears throat> excuse me, say DHA levels in vegans and actually they were the same as omnivores, right? So maybe the people who do really well on a vegan diet are people who can convert those those fats, right? You know, that because it's like a self-selecting population. So um, so it's certainly, it's certainly possible. And there's going to be, uh, I'm sure there were evolutionary pressures. So if you, if you weren't getting DHA from seafood or from animals' brains um, and you were just scrounging around for, you know, all that soy and rape that was you know, around when we were evolving. And that was your only source of fat. Then, uh, then you know, I'm sure that, I'm sure that, um, that those, those evolutionary pressures helped sort of shape the enzymes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's part of it. Do you believe, I know a lot of people are talking about doing kind of gene profiling to say whether you should be a vegan, whether you should be a meat eater. I've had a few people come to me and say they've done various different, um, worked with nutritionists who've done this gene profiling and said, um, I'm definitely meant to be a meat eater, I'm definitely meant to be a vegetarian, vegan. Are you kind of a fan of that? or It just all gets very expensive for me when I'm working with people. Yeah. It's like, there's so Do you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not a fan of that you at know. all. And the... Um, do you know how many dietary studies have done a dietary intervention based on genetics? None. None. No. Not a single one. <laughs> Only the so, face. Your face and everything. So, like, there's just. So I was this. So I went to um, Chris Cresser. Chris Cresser just released a new book on conventional medicine. I went to the launch down in Berkeley, and uh, Sarah Gottfried was there. She was giving one of the talks. So it was Ron Chastity was there. Uh, oh, okay. he, he was excellent. Rob Wolf was there. Um, and she gave a talk, and then she talked about how she was a low-carb genotype and yeah. her husband was a low-fat genotype. And I was like, I'm a low-bullshit genotype. This is nonsense. <laughs> uh, and so so I'm, all of that stuff feeds in, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to alter how you respond to a certain diet. Your genetics are absolutely going gonna to respond, you know, are going to affect that. Are we currently able to look at your genetics based on what we know, you know, with the tools that we have and, and, and say you're definitely meant to be a meat eater, you're definitely meant to be a vegan? Absolutely not. We, we don't know. We, we, like, nobody's done it in any kind of controlled manner. We have an idea about the different enzymes and the different pathways. And, yes, uh, APOE4 and saturated fat and cholesterol and, you know, we have some ideas that doesn't, you know, I would always look at phenotype. Um, which is uh, how those genes are expressed in the environment because you don't know anything about genes until you put them in a specific environment and see how they respond. So that involves the same standard, you know, blood tests, how do you feel, how are you performing? That is much more important than what mm. your genetics tell you. It, that's Sorry. Yeah, you just saved me a big rabbit hole because my gut has always been, like we just said, tidy up the diet and then look. At, I, I try and get blood tests if I can and look at those. And then also go off the back of what someone has told me they've tried in the past and felt good, felt bad, that, that kind of stuff. But just interesting on the gene stuff because it's something I kind of dip in and then just go, whoa, there's just, you know, like, you know, it's just overwhelming at times. And I was watching a talk online about someone talking about the genetic mutations of SNPs involved in breast cancer. And it was really interesting, and I definitely think there's something there, and eventually maybe people should be tested before given hormone therapy. But the person delivering the talk was a good two stone overweight, if not three. And I just yeah. thought, when are we going to start talking about being overweight and breast cancer, alcohol and breast cancer? Oh, yeah, cancer, obesity you know, and being yeah. overweight is one of the 
and and no one's talking about an exercise and are you doing walking and and do a bit of weight training you know that that, none of that stuff gets mentioned and it's all down to you're predisposed to having breast cancer and therefore take this dim and do that and you know i don't know just for me it's all jumping ahead a little bit too quickly and it's expensive and the supplements are expensive the, the outcome of it all and and then people again feel like you just said matt I've got to stick to this strict regime because this is what my genes are well adapted to and I can't go outside it. And where do, like, peanut M&Ms fit into your genes? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, there is actually a step for that. You can test for it. Um, Both Matt and I have a high peanut um, M&M requirement. Weakness for it. (laughs) Well tolerant. Right, so we've done vegan. It's taken forty-five minutes to do vegan. I know. Is there anything else? Well, we did jump. We did jump around. We yeah. we yeah, flirted we with around some a other bit. diets. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, then let's let's talk about mm, fasting or keto. Maybe go. Yeah. What do you reckon? Keto. Have we done fasting before? I can't remember if we've done fasting. No, I can't remember. So keto and fasting sort of tend to hang out together. Yeah. Nowadays, good, at least good in, merge, yeah. Tommy. I like it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> So keto so it is is a, is a very powerful tool and I um I you know work with or interact with a lot of people who are doing you know doing actual true research into ketogenic diets the use of ketones exogenous ketones um by the way if it's prove it that stuff's bullshit the only thing that works for performance is uh, the ketone ester. Um, <laughs> that was just fiber. a quick. Uh, ketone salts don't work for performance. Everybody who's checked found that they don't work. So just anybody who's listening to this who's who's paying for ketone salts, don't bother. Do All people right. do it without any supplements now? Like, cause it just used to be like coconut oil, didn't it, and MCT oil? Is that still being? With, people know? Oh, in terms of like a ketogenic diet. Yeah, or does people? Oh, know? Yeah, yeah. So loads, of, so loads of people are doing, you know, just based on food, and and obviously, you know, fasting gets you into ketosis, and then, you know, maintaining that um, with just food. You know, there are plenty of people who aren't using these exogenous sources. Um, well, so, so there are a number of potential benefits. So, like we've talked about. Uh, you know, so there's epilepsy, some other potentially uh, neurological diseases. Dale Bredesen is looking at um, ketosis in Alzheimer's disease. Um, there's also potentially, you know, some interesting data on um, uh, multiple sclerosis, though. Um, Volta Longo has compared multiple, um, a ketogenic diet to his fasting mimicking diet. So like a, sh- a short period, of, you know, very low calorie, but, you know, very specifically determined macronutrient and micronutrients for a few days and then going on to more of a Mediterranean style diet. And they seem to have equivalent effects on maybe fasting mimicking diet slightly better, but he's still doing the larger studies. Um, so neurological diseases seem to respond um, well to a ketogenic diet. Uh, the ketones have their own signaling effects. They can, you know, that can do everything from myostatin inhibition to um, suppressing inflammation. Um, and so... Also, I, just I think, um, quickly on... Because um, cancer, I asked you about, um, you know, kind of what was your thoughts on that? And you were the first person to say it on a podcast that you'd seen some where ketones had fueled cancer growth and that yeah. actually you wouldn't recommend... Because outright, some people are like, I'd go keto, I'd go keto. Yeah. And so this is really dependent from cancer to cancer. It's, yeah. it's really interesting. So the people who are out there saying... Cancer is a metabolic disease. You can cure it by going into ketosis. That is not, as a broad statement, that is not true. And there are plenty of examples of um, ketones being able to fuel themselves with fats. Oh, sorry, cancers being able to fuel themselves with fats. Uh, cancers being able to fuel themselves with ketones, and being like growth being increased by ketones. So it depends completely from cancer to cancer. Yes, in some I would recommend a ketogenic diet, and others I would not. Um, and there are some like breast cancer, like. Just being told breast cancer literally couldn't tell you what diet is best, you know, mm, I, I, yeah. because breast cancer can do everything. It's like a, it's like a Swiss Army knife of cancers. So unless mm. you know, you know a, a lot about, you know, that actual person, um, I, I don't think that I don't think you can really tell. Um, and then the other thing, um, type two diabetes, uh, metabolic disease, obesity. My first port of call would always be a low carb type approach. Obviously, there are people who would instead go low-fat, plant-based vegan. Again, I think you, there's a potential for, for great results on both ends. Yeah. But in terms of the, the large-scale data that we have, that we've generated, um, Verta Health in the U.S. is a company that's, that's helping to do that through health coaching, enabling people going on a ketogenic diet. 
um, with type 2 diabetes, and they're seeing dramatic improvements in blood sugar regulation, dramatic reductions in um, uh, medication requirements. So in terms of like the, the, the hard data we have, you know, low carbon keto is looking really good. You know, particularly if you're trying to, you know, get that disease into remission. Whether that yeah. needs to be a long term thing, you know, some people will say once you're a type two diabetic, you're always a type two diabetic. I would disagree and say that actually, once you fix whatever the issue is, um, you should be able to go. You know, you should be able to tolerate some carbohydrate. And if you can't tolerate some carbohydrate, you haven't fixed whatever the issue is. And keto is just symptom control rather than disease control. But oh, that's a great point. That's it's a uh, that's a, that's a, that's a, I guess that's kind of a, that's a, that's a different topic as well. But so, so keto does have some great benefits um, in people. So like I mentioned earlier, who have certain issues with their gut, you know, they talk about having a bulletproof coffee or a fatty meal. And, you know, the best way to transport endotoxins across the gut is saturated fat and liquid saturated fat. That's how they do it in studies. You know, if you want to see how much endotoxin somebody is getting into their bloodstream after a meal, you get them to drink cream, you know, so uh, bullet, you know, I know plenty of people who would drink a bulletproof coffee, and they're like, "I'm supposed to feel really good right now, but I feel like shit." Mm. And you know, so that kind of person doesn't off always do well on keto. But then there are other things that can go on in the gut. So certain clostridial clostridial infections, um, we've seen people go on a ketogenic diet that feel great. So whatever, oh, whatever it is that's happening there is, is 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 keeping that under control. So it really depends from person to person. So you know, I. You know, as a company, Nourish Balance Thrive, we are tarred with the endurance athlete ketogenic brush because we have done a lot of that kind of stuff. But I very rarely say a ketogenic diet is what you need to do. I always start with food quality rather than macronutrients. And then, you know, I could go either way. You know, I've talked about the benefits of both um, keto and low fat, um, depending on, you know, doing it properly um, it, on this podcast. And I could go either way. Um, do you and find, again, do you find yeah. low, low carb is the, the compliance is greater in terms of the fact that just we that's what we found anyway from the yeah. office like because people are having sufficient like protein and um, I, we always kind of try and favor Mediterranean fats now since all the stuff's come out with the saturated fats and I, I don't know it just lends itself you, all you've got to do is mainly change the side dish and that's what we say like in terms yeah. of change the side to courgette or ratatouille or something that's relatively mainly vegetable based yeah. but you can still have you know, a steak or a nice piece of fish and stuff. So just compliance, I think it's, which is also, so, you know, a big factor. Yeah, I think that would just depend on how people feel, right? Because some people are just like, I reduce carbs and I don't feel good. Yeah, and so true. then that makes compliance harder. But again, if people feel good, and particularly if you're not, if you're if you're going for strict ketosis for a reason, and the, the only reason I, you know, you know, I, I think higher levels of ketones occasionally, you know, because they have some signaling effects are going to be potentially beneficial. But that's kind of, you know, we went through periods of time where we didn't eat very much and we ate more, you know, kind of ketones come up and down. We should, you know, be able to not eat for 24 hours and then ketones come up a little bit and then we find some food and then ketones come down again. You know, so I, I think there's some potential benefit there. But, like, focusing on ketones as a number, unless you have a specific disease where that's required, I don't think it's necessary. So yeah. just, like, reducing all those processed carbohydrates and then, yeah, lots of veggies, um, you know, but you don't, you're not really worrying about the exact total carbohydrate content and then you're getting, like, protein and fat I, I think that's the most sustainable thing it certainly is and has been for me and for the majority of people who work with but it's not that's not always the case right because not everybody feels good eating that way so then they have to eat a different way and I think as well it comes down to you know like the performance element as well in the you know like um obviously I know that that Chris Kelly's completely keto isn't he is he still no he's not he's not oh. is he had a potato we made, him, we made him eat carbs again we made oh, him realise that he was losing his top end in the in the cyclocross sprinting and so like I said it a lot and then he heard it from some other people too <laughs> like, like professional cyclocross races were like I feel great on keto but I don't have my top end oh, um, right. Mike T. Nelson came on the you know, Thrive Thrive podcast and, and talked about it and now you know, you know how you just need carbs for that top end, and so yeah. again, you just add back a little bit of fruit, some sweet potatoes. It's not like you need to eat a load. A load. <laughs> it's not like she wants attention. It's not like you need to eat a, a load of carbs. You don't need to be eating like four grams of carbs per kilo, or whatever it is, eight grams of carbs per kilo that some people are talking about. Um, just some is enough, right? Yeah. So See, he's not he's not true keto anymore. It was as if we planned this beforehand and we did it because that was exactly the point I was going to raise was that, you know, there's a difference between performing and optimal performance. And I think, you know, a lot of the studies will suggest that 
for optimal performance, whilst you don't necessarily, you know, carbohydrates, you know, to, to survive as a human, we don't actually need. But for optimal performance, you know, the studies suggest you need them. Yeah. Yeah. So, Again, was, yeah. so how many studies have shown that a ketogenic diet increases performance? None. Zero. Yeah. Um, and so, and like, you, we can talk about periods of adaptation. And yes, you know, a lot of scientists are trying to like make a ketogenic diet look bad for some reason, which doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But some people, when they've done longer studies, so a recent 10 week study in cyclists in New Zealand, they put them on a ketogenic diet for 10 weeks, which is a decent amount for that kind of study. Um, some of them, their performance decreased. Uh, on average, performance differences wasn't great. But one person, their VO2 max increased, but the others dropped. So it was like really, really dependent from person to person. Mm-hmm. So like you say, um, and, and I'm not sure that even showed like a dramatic increase in performance. So does a ketogenic diet improve performance? We have no evidence to suggest that. But in terms of like long-term health and longevity, spending some time in ketosis is probably going to be good for you. So like you say, it just depends on what you're trying to achieve at the time. Just, oh, God, sorry. I was just going to say, it kind of reminds me of a, a discussion I saw online the other day, and there was a bit of a back and forth between some people about, oh, you know, I'm following this training protocol, and, you know, this is this is optimal, you know, this is, you know, the, the, the best protocol that I've done, la, 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 la. And then some people came back and was gone, actually, I kind of disagree with that approach. You know, a lot of studies suggest that actually this is true and et cetera, et cetera. And then there was this back and forth, well, I know my body. and blah, blah, blah. But then someone came in and said, and I thought it just summed it up perfectly, and it said, just because that worked for you doesn't mean there's not anything out there that would have worked better. And yeah. I was like, that is amazing. Like, I need to steal that because it's true, isn't it? Like, people get good results with something, great. Great, yeah. But then there could well be something else out there that would have worked a hell of a lot better and you would have got even better results. So and I often see with a lot of people who, who go on to these kind of more extreme diets or, or, or approaches, sorry, to nutrition, is that they've had kind of 40 years of, of no exercise, messed up eating, you know, junk food, and then discover... You know, if you think of the one person I'm talking about, kind of famous low carb keto person, discovers it and says, you know, this is the way forward because it helped me lose weight. But then equally, we keep we watch them. We're like, but I'm still not seeing any training. I'm still not seeing any, you know, like other mentions of lifestyle factors mm. that would help. And and it, like you just said to me, they're not they haven't always addressed the underlying cause. But we'll keep talking about this kind of you know this is the diet, this is the way forward, this is the approach. Yeah. And we're still a bit like, wait a minute, when are they going to go around the houses and look at everything else that feeds into, you know, kind of metabolic distress? And they don't. And then yeah. we see this low, over like time and time again now, don't we? Even here we're seeing people, it's not always, it can be vegan, it can be anything. It's like lifetime of drugs and all sorts, you know, like really hedonistic lifestyle and suddenly become a yoga teacher, go vegan. And it's like, you know, you, you all need to stop drinking coffee and, and, and do what I'm doing now, which is this, yeah. this and this. And you all need to stop running and training hard. Yeah, I don't know. It gets a bit annoying, doesn't it, sometimes? But off on a tangent there, sorry. Yeah, but this, <laughs> I guess this is kind of, like, this is kind of what makes, you can, so it can, it gets really annoying by sort of I try and make it be like, well, that just makes it really interesting, right? Because everybody does something different and they respond differently. And yeah. then, you know, yeah, we don't, we don't really, we shouldn't get into the arguments about this stuff because we just don't know enough about what we're doing, right? Yeah. We just don't, we don't understand the body nearly as much as we like to think we do. And then once you're talking about like genetics interacting with the environment and all this other stuff that we're exposed like so we spend more and more time talking about the other stuff in the environment. Like the food bit is easy. Just like stop eating shit food, right? <laughs> Done. Tick. Thanks very much. Yeah. What's the other stuff? Like how are your relationships? Like do you hate your job? Like do you go outside? Like all this stuff is so much more important in terms of how you how your body then responds to whatever else it is you're trying to do. Like no supplement can make somebody love you, right? You need to actually go out and interact with another human being. So, you know, I, give it time. I don't know. There might be one developed. <laughs> It'll be a bestseller if there is. <laughs> I was just saying, people would buy it. People are that gullible. They would buy it. Have we got time to do fasting in five minutes? Well, this could be a first for Fit Food Radio. What, are you going to have to go? I need to go. We can do it. You've got five minutes. Let's do fasting in five minutes. Three minutes. Three minutes, Tommy. All right, fasting in three minutes. Um, Fasting for your everyday person who doesn't want to... Well, yeah, just everyday person, so Mm. no one who wants to kind of go on any, you know, strict regime. Pros and cons. Yeah. Yeah. So so I think the the most important thing um, is probably going to be, we talked about it briefly before, just restricting your eating window, right? Eat 
eight to ten hours a day. I think it's better for people to eat breakfast and then eat dinner earlier. Um, that's the, the, all the evidence seems to be pointing in that direction. Um, and, you know, fast, if you want to call it that, or just don't eat 12 to 14 hours a day. Really good. Breast cancer survivors increase um, their, uh, or more likely to survive if they eat, um, if they have a fasting period of 13 hours at least, right, every night. There's a, a nice study that showed that. So just not eating all the time is, is going to be the best start. Um, should you be able to tolerate periods of fasting where you don't eat for 24 to 40 hours? Yes. Um, is, you know, should we uh, periodically not eat for like three, four, five days? I'm not entirely sure. I think that depends on the person and what they're trying to achieve. There is a risk of like losing lean muscle tissue, you know, so in the frail the elderly, should they be fasting for long periods of time? Absolutely not. Um, you know, could they get, you know, you activate some of the pathways associated with fasting. You know, people talk about autophagy a lot. Do we know as much about autophagy as we would need to to tell you that it's great and you should be fasting for more autophagy? No, we don't. But the, one of the best ways to activate it, particularly in the muscle tissue, is just do some exercise. So like some aerobic exercise ac activates all of those pathways more quickly than fasting does. So, um, Fasting can be, you know, can be very powerful. Uh, some people are using it to great effect again in metabolic disease. You know, sometimes if you're going to get your foot cut off, the fastest way to stop that blood sugar roller coaster is just to not eat anything. You know, great. But that's sort of like in the in the medical community, sick people. Um, I think people should be able to tolerate periods of fasting. Mm. I don't think that they should worry about doing it all the time. You know, some people, some cancer experts or, you know, the metabolic disease theory experts, you know, the keto, keto for cancer kind of guys would say, you know, once a year, don't eat for five days. You know, that's an interesting theory that I think we should be able to tolerate. We should be able to do that. Um, can I recommend it to everybody at this point? I can't really. Um, have you tried then, that? Have you tried that? Have you tried I've that? Done, I've done three days. Uh, I haven't done five days. Was that just, three days. just water? Yeah, um, oh, I, I did have, I had like a few, I, I like, I made some tea with like a bit of salt and stuff, just like with a few, a few minerals in it. Yeah. Um, just like, I, I, it was like a, it was kind of like a, um, a poor man's version of a bone broth. So I didn't really have any calories <laughs> in it, but I had like some, that's like some salt and some lemon juice and something. It was just like, I needed something hot that tasted of something. Yeah. Um, so maybe I cheated a little bit, but it probably, I don't think it really you know, discounted any of the benefits of the fast. One thing that's worth talking about that I don't think people talk about enough, um, I was brought up by Brian Walsh, who is awesome. Um, and we work with him at Nourish Balance Thrive more and more because we love him. Um, but he recently did a, uh, he's, he's created a course called Everything You Need to Know About Detoxification. And it is literally more than you could possibly need to know about detoxification. It is epic. Tommy, uh, I'm still the... stuck on, I'm like halfway through Metabolic Fitness Pro and halfway through in Glucose. I can't buy that one because I'm like already, like, I have to like rewind him a million times. Yeah. There's so much information. Yeah, it, his, like, his ability to put that stuff together it just boggles my mind. It's but amazing, yeah. So one of the things he, he talks about is the fact that in every study done today, when you, when you fast an animal, you get a dramatic increase in xenobiotics, persistent organic pollutants, whatever you call, call them, because you, you create a load of lipolysis. Yeah. Those things get re those toxins um, get released from the fat and then they start circulating. So I've done it in humans plenty of times. And the problem is that if you're not supporting then the pathways that are, that would then clear that stuff, um, you then this stuff just just like start circulating the body and starts causing issues. So if you're fasting for fat loss and then you reach a plateau, it could be because you've released all this crap from your fat stores and then it's having, you know, um, um, endocrine disrupting effects or whatever. And then you're not able to actually, you know, act, you know, you're not able to create any more fat loss because you're basically inhibiting your own fat loss from what's been released from your fat stores. So his yeah. point is that most people probably aren't healthy enough to truly fast yeah. because they've got all this crap stored mm. up in them. So his approach is more, calorie restricted high protein diets with some supportive nutrients and it's nothing particularly fancy um but you know lots of vegetables that have been shown to support some detoxification like onions and a few other things and you know it's, it's very similar actually to volta longo's fasting mimicking diet so they've actually come up with very similar protocols and those seem to be quite powerful so five to seven days um, of you know exercise where you're sweating plenty 
you've restricted calories, but you've increased protein. Uh, you've got good, you know, good micronutrient um, intake because that's going to be important. And then some other supportive foods. Um, and he's not really big into that many supplements, so it's not like this crazy take all this detox powder stuff. It's just yeah. eat this, eat, eat less of this really good food, and you know that will support detox. Um, and and I think that's going to be probably the best approach for most people. So if you're if you want to do a detox, I hate to say that, but that's the kind of approach, like something like a fasting mimicking diet for a few days, not complete fasting, yeah. but you're still supporting your body's ability to clear some of that stuff because it requires micronutrients, it requires yeah. energy, all that kind of stuff. I think that's probably, you know, if people want to do it, I think that's probably the best. That's probably the best approach. So you may you may not be healthy enough to fast. I think that's a, a, an interesting point that, that isn't made frequently enough. I, I so thank that, Brian I mean, for teaching is, us about that. That is an interesting point because we often say with fasting, you know, like over the last couple of years, you know, we God knows how many questions we've had on it, um, whether we recommend it or not. And it's a very much of a, we're a bit like, we'll try it and see. You yeah. know, it's not a like, yeah, it's right or wrong, give it a bash, see how you get on. Um, yeah. So in those instances where some people do come back and say, I feel horrendous for doing it, it could yeah. very well be that it's not Absolutely. that the fasting is an issue, it's just that they weren't healthy enough in the first place to do it. Well, I, did a, yeah, exactly. I, I did an elimination, it was only an elimination diet, but I dropped the calories too quickly and lost weight really quickly, didn't I? Mm. Just a gut thing I was doing, and I was so sick. And the guy, I was doing it with a functional medicine doctor, and he was like, oh, I'm, I should have supported your phase two a little bit more. Honestly, I was bedridden for like two days, and it was yeah. definitely like, I don't know, just years of whatever I've had, I don't know, Harry Bow and stuff like that coming out. <laughs> So, just coming out of my pause. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you need to go. I need to dash. Okay. You guys are going to finish the podcast. Yeah. Um, don't waffle on too long, guys. You know, <laughs> We're over an hour. We've already gone over an hour. Um, Tommy, it's been great chatting to you, buddy. I will say ta-ra. Well, we should, and, let's uh, say bye now because we've, we've done an hour and ten. And you've just oh, done you a, Yeah, we've been... Okay, all, we did all, the fasting. Yeah, right. we did. Uh, check. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Tom. That's been amazing. Yeah, awesome. So much good advice there. So. Well, thank you as ever, mate, for giving up your time. Um, and hopefully, we'll get you on again soon. Yeah. Why not? A pleasure. We should do a Facebook yeah. live, actually. That's a good point. Yeah, we 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 can do those Facebook lives, split screen, split screen, Facebook now. live. I've never done Facebook live. I will gladly do that with yeah, you guys. You'd have, have you have to have the puppy, and we'll get Hamish in ours. That would be amazing. <laughs> we'll make That's it happen, right? We won't. We won't talk about food at all. We'll just play with the puppies. Just, uh, yeah, just look, <laughs> look everyone, yeah. dogs. <laughs> Give people a nice. Get a dog. Yeah. <laughs> what's the uh, What's the study? Is a dope? Is it dopamine? Or they say that you know you you can experience the same like dopamine surge. Oh, like, oxytocin. Look, oxytocin. From sorry, oxytocin from looking at puppies. So yeah, yeah. we'll be yeah. doing yeah. someone a favour anyway. Yeah. Um, but mate. <laughs> Thank you very much once again. Yeah, um, thank you so much. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I'm sure you did. Any questions at any point, you know, do get in touch because, you know, we can answer them on the podcast. Um, if you haven't left a review yet on iTunes, please do so. A nice, honest one. You know, we're, 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 all, we're not sensitive. We're open for, to some honest, constructive feedback. So uh, if you haven't done so, please do so already. And we'll see you in episode number 96. Bye. See ya.